Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Man, everybody's awake this morning. I like it. Everybody have a good week so far, or, or a good prior week? Every time I say that, everybody says, well, you know it's the first day of the week. You know, we just started. Everybody have a good weekend? Yes. Yes? Yeah. All right, fantastic. If you look on the screen behind me, what does it say? Are you sure about your salvation? Well, why would I ask that question here this morning? This is going to be a very scripture-heavy sermon. There's a lot of slides, Jim. Sorry about that, buddy, uh, as he was putting them together for me. But there's going to be a lot of slides. So I would encourage you, if you want, you write the slide, write, write them down. Um, or if you want, I can email them to you later. If you try to follow along, it's probably going to be tough because there's going to be quite a few of them here this morning. And I'm going to get ready to start a couple months series uh, uh, sermon, uh, and it, we're going to get back to the basics. We're going to get back to the basics of why we do what we do, not only in worship service, but why we believe what we believe. And we're going to start to look at the foundation of our faith, and we're going to start it with this lesson here this morning. Uh, and this lesson was born of a conversation that I just had recently with a, with a friend uh, and some of the things that were happening at a congregation that he attends. And so we started to uh, talk, and, and it kind of made me think about uh, this lesson here this morning. So are you sure about your salvation? That's going to be the crux of the, uh, the to look to answer that question this, uh, this morning. And so it's going to be the crux of the, the scripture passages that we're going to do. And so it's a very important question. It's a very important question because does this question not have eternal consequences, Right. If you get the answer to this question wrong, is it going to affect you eternally? And the answer to that question is yes. And hopefully I'm seeing heads nodding. And if you were to die today, do you know for certain that you would go to heaven? I mean, doesn't it tell us, and I think it was in, is it in 1 John chapter 5, I think it's 13 or 17, where it says, I am writing these things to you so you can know that you are saved. You don't have to hope you're saved. You don't have to guess you're saved. It's not like you're, you're in one day out the next. You're not in one hour out the next. Every time I sin, oh, i got to hurry up and say a prayer before I'm out. It doesn't work that way. If we live according to the will of God, we're continuously cleansed in the blood of Christ. If we live and we have a faith that is, is constantly uh, walking, according in, uh, walking in the light. My brain is not working good this morning because it's... So tired from all the moving yesterday. And so, and so as we think about, you know, being in the light, right, we're constantly cleansed by the blood of Christ. And, we're, and when we think about that, we're not uh, willfully sinning. We're having moments of weakness. Hebrews 10 and 26 talks about those who practice sin, those who willfully sin. Those are the ones who are outside of the, of the covenant of God, outside of the promises of God. And so each and every day we need to consider this idea about are we living the type of faith that is going to be found pleasing in the sight of God? And where do we find the information on how to live out our lives pleasing to God? Isn't it in the Holy Scriptures? And so I think about Romans chapter 14, and I think about uh, verse 10, and this one won't be up there. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 says the same thing. That we'll stand before God in, uh, in judgment and give an account of our very lives. And so when I ask the question, are you really sure about your eternal salvation, I ask that question because there's two appointments that all of us are going to have to, uh, are going to, have to keep. We're not going to be able to get out of them. And do you know what those appointments are? Well, in this next passage of Scripture, it tells you. And, it is, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but then after this comes the judgment. Death and judgment. Those are your two appointments. You're not going to be able to escape them. And you're not going to be able to reschedule them. Death and judgment. These two appointments cannot be canceled. And so we must not, uh, we must not make an error 
concerning our salvation, concerning our beliefs, concerning why we believe what we believe, because there's many in the world who they say, well, that seems to be right. And they just have somebody who's standing up in front of them that can uh, quote passages of scripture and uh, tell a few funny stories and, and maybe give a joke. And then all of a sudden they say, well, it sounds right. Sounds good. Sounds biblical. But all the while they have really no idea what they've just heard or what they've been told. Or how about this? Have you ever known anybody to say, well, I feel, I feel in my heart as if I'm saved. Have you ever met anybody that feels in their heart that they're saved? Well, is that a feeling? Is it emotion? Or is it, or is it factual? Where, do you, where does that feeling come from? Is it based in scripture or is it based in feelings? And so we understand, brethren, that's why we read uh, uh, what the, the Bible reading or the Bible passage uh, that Randy read this morning. And it makes me think of this next one, Proverbs 14 and 12. He read 16 and 25, but 14 and 12 is similar. And it says, there is a way that seems right unto man, but in the end, it what? It leads to death. Why? Because, well, it doesn't matter how you feel. If it seems right, it doesn't matter if it seems right. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're saved. You either are or you aren't. You're either in Christ or you're not. You're either following and being obedient to the law of Christ or you're not. And so our feelings are not a safe guide. Only the Bible is. But there's so many people that I talk to, uh, friends, family, and other individuals, who go based off of their feelings. Because, I mean, isn't that, we, isn't that what we kind of say nowadays? I mean, aren't there uh, slogans and sayings out there? You know, what does your heart tell you? What does your gut tell you? And yet, the Bible says the man who trusts in his heart is a fool. Well, which one is it? Should I trust in my heart or should I not? Well, where does that trust usually come from when somebody says, what does your gut say? Can I trust my heart? It comes from life experience. Well, what if your whole life experience is, 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 uh, comes from worldliness? Well, then should you trust then your, your own heart, your own thoughts, your own gut, if it was all forged in worldliness and not godliness? Because you're going to get a wrong answer. And so we need to make sure that as we look at the scriptures here this morning, we need to ask ourselves, what prior assumptions have you already made in regards to salvation? And have you made any other prior assumptions that conflict with what the Bible actually teaches? Do you have a contrary belief versus something that, that's, do you believe something that is contrary to Scripture? And as we think of this, I want us to, I think about Jesus, I think about the parables, I think about all the stories, I think about his, his uh, three-year earthly ministry. How many times did he rebuke the Pharisees? How many times did he rebuke the Sadducees? Why did he rebuke them? They were brethren. And why was he rebuking them? Because during that 400-year period of silence, they created so, much, uh, so many traditions, so many rules of men. They, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the synagogues, all these things, they made up during that 400 years of silence. You'll never find those things in the Old Testament. Because they're not there. They made them up. And so there's many traditions, many rules that they made up that Jesus was constantly rebuking them for. Think of this next passage of Scripture. Notice what Jesus says. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines, what? The commandments of men. Where do the commandments of men come from? From the hearts and minds of men. And so our worship is worthless if it comes from the doctrines of men and not from the doctrine of God. Can we honestly say and believe that all of these competing doctrine, doctrines that we have in Christianity? I mean, think about it. There's thousands and thousands of variations of Christianity around the world. Can we honestly believe that all of these competing doctrines are, uh, are, are right in the sight of God? Absolutely not. Because we know in the next passage of Scripture, it says God is not the author of confusion. So remember this, brethren. 
There is a way that seems right to man, and in the end it leads to death. Did you know there's many of these denominations that every year they have councils, or sometimes it's three years or five years, they'll have a council of men that come together to determine what they're going to believe, how they're going to believe it, and what they're going to do. Are they going to change some things? Are they going to add some things? Are they going to subtract some things? Well, why would they do that? Why? Because they're more concerned about adjusting their beliefs and their theology to match modern-day uh, beliefs and, and, and your modern society and your modern culture than they are with pleasing God. That's why in Bible study this morning, we looked at Roman, uh, we looked at John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43, and it says many of the Pharisees, many of the Sadducees, they believed. But because they, were, they did not confess Jesus as Lord, because they were afraid of being put out of the synagogue. They feared man more than they feared God, it says in John 12 and 42. And so, brethren, our worship unto God is worthless if it comes from the doctrines of men and not from the doctrines of God. We also need to remember, brethren, that as we look at this, we need to ask ourselves where our beliefs come from. Where our beliefs come from becomes a very serious question. Why would I say that? Because our belief would be considered as in vain as Jesus said back in Mark 7 and 7. Because they were more concerned about keeping the traditions that the elders of the Jews created than they were with keeping in... Uh, more concerned with keeping the traditions of the men than they were with being in line with Scripture. Notice also what it says in Acts 5 and 29. You remember uh, the Apostle Peter told the Jewish council, we ought to obey God rather than men. Well, why would he say we ought to obey God rather than men? Because they were wanting him to reject Jesus. They were wanting him to turn his back on, on the Christ, his Christ and his Lord and his Savior. So brethren... I would encourage each and every one of you here this morning. Do not, do not blindly follow me. Do not blindly follow the things that I say from this pulpit. Study to show yourselves approved. We have some visitors that are here today from other congregations. Don't blindly follow the minister or the elder of your congregations. Study to show yourselves approved. Why would I say that? Because there may come a time... Are there any Lord's Church members uh, or congregations of Lord's Church that have kind of gone apostate? Any, any congregations that have fallen away from the truth? Right? All the various uh, doctrine and denominationalism? Don't we have congregations right here in Metro Detroit, many of them, that have fallen away from the truth? And yet, there's still hundreds of people that sit at the feet of these teachers and of these elders, and they, and they give, give praise to the things that are being done and to the things that are being taught. And yet, they're in contradiction to the very word of God. So don't blindly believe just anything and everything I tell you. Study to show yourself approved so that if the day ever comes where I say something that is not scriptural, that is not based in scripture, you can call me out on it. And hopefully the elders beat me to it before you did. And so the other thought process is just don't blindly believe what other people say. Who here watches nightly news? And if you watch the nightly news, like the national news, not just the local news, don't we all have our favorite programs we like to watch? And they sit there and they pontificate on, on so many different topics over a period of an hour, and we're shaking our heads and we're, we're nodding in agreement, and I can't believe that. But how many times do you ever hold their feet to the fire? How many times do you ever then vet the information that, that they're presenting? How do you know they're not biased? How do you know they're not giving you just one side of the story, but what they're saying really isn't the full truth? I mean, that's politics, politics in a nutshell, isn't it? Where we like to give half-truths, and we like to give half the story. Why? 
because I'm giving the half of the story that lines up with how, what I want to believe. Well, what do you think all the other ministers and, and, and elders and churches are doing? They're teaching things that line up with their thoughts, their beliefs, their theology, even if it contradicts what the very word of God says. And so we need to make sure that we're careful that we're not just blindly following others and that we study to show ourselves approved in all aspects of life, whether it's faith, whether it's religion or anything else. Brethren, on the day of judgment, we are going to be judged by the Lord on what the Lord says. I know this because in John chapter 12 and 48 on the screen behind me, it says the word that I have spoken is what will judge him in the last day. In the word that he had spoken had come from the Father, not from his own, but from the Father. He had been given a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. And he says, I do exactly as the Father has commanded me. Why? Because I know his, his, his command contains eternal life. So if his, commands can, com, uh, if his commandments contain eternal life, why then would we want to make up our own rules? He's given us the blueprint as to how to attain heaven. So why then would I want to uh, turn away from that and start to follow what just Lewis believes or what just Randy believes, even though those beliefs contradict potentially what the scriptures say? That would be foolish, for he has already given us all that he has commanded, uh, that he was commanded by the Holy Father. Brethren, when we look at the scriptures here this morning, and so I would ask any person, if, if, if you're listening to a podcast, if you're listening to uh, things on the Internet, and there's a lot of garbage on the Internet when it comes to theological circles, if you're listening to things that cannot be, that cannot be pointed to in the Word of God, I would, I would encourage you to stop listening. Because you're not, getting, uh, you're not getting things that are going to help your faith grow and cement your faith as, as a deeper, stronger faith. You're just, doing, you're just listening to things that are going to cause you to uh, start to doubt the things that you believe. When I think about the Word of God, are we called to, uh, are we called to defend every false position? Or are we called to show others the hope that is in us? Where does that hope come from? The Word of God. The life of Jesus Christ. The fact that he was a real person of history. The fact that he suffered, died, and was buried, and was raised again. The fact that we can look to other sources in human history and to, 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 to prove that Jesus is who he says he was, and that the things that happened are as, as, as the Bible says they happened. And so we are called to take the message of God out. We're not called to defend every false teaching. We're not called to, uh, to, to, uh, to defend and to come up with an answer for every uh, cockamamie scheme that somebody comes up with. Because there's lots of them that are out there. We are called to take the word of God. When... When, when Jesus sent the, the, the disciples out, when he sent the 12 out, when he sent the 72 out, did he tell them to, to take the message that he had given them? Or did he tell them to set up a, a booth in the center of the village and to debate everybody and everything? No. He says, go and take the message out. If they will not hear you, dust your sandals off and move on. Because at that point, it becomes between them and their God. Because we will all stand before God in judgment. And so, brethren, we need to remember these things. Our soul is the part of us, brethren, that is going to return back to God. Our bodies are going to go down into the grave upon our death, and our soul is going to return back unto God, and it's going to last in one of two states for an eternity, heaven or hell. And so we cannot afford to, to, to be wrong when it comes to our doctrine. And so that's why I encourage you to not blindly just follow the things that I teach and blindly follow the things that I say, 
Verify the things I teach. Verify the things I say. That's why I preach scripture-heavy sermons. So that way it's not my word, it's the word of God. Because Jesus tells us it's the word of God that pricks the hearts of man. Not our fanciful <laughs> stories. Now I want us to spend a little bit of time and think about the grace of God. Because we understand that the grace of God is what we know as unmerited favor. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 and 24, uh, the scriptures teach us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. You look at that passage of scripture, brother, and we realize that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. We all deserve to be punished for an eternity, and yet God loved us so much that he sent his Son so we don't have to suffer. And remember, as we go through these passages, we're looking to answer the question, are you really sure about your salvation? Can you know that you are saved? And it's, it's, it's by going through these various passages of Scripture that we're going to be able to answer some of these questions here this morning. We know that God, by His grace, that is His unmerited favor, had showed uh, favor upon us by sending His Son so that we could be justified, so we could be made right in the eyes of God. How are we made uh, right? How are we justified? By the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we partake of the Lord's Supper each and every week on the first day of the week. That's why we do that so we can remember the sacrifice that God made on our behalf. Because our redemption is in Christ Jesus. Think about what the Apostle Paul wrote to the people of Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9, the scriptures tell us, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not that, not that, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Brethren, we are saved by the unmerited favor of God through our obedient faith in Him. Through our obedient faith in Him. There is no way that anyone could ever do enough good works to attain heaven. That is why we needed the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in the first place. Because just one sin separates us from a holy and righteous God, and there's nothing we could do to erase that one sin in and of ourselves. And so, brethren, I know that as we look at this, and we think of the idea that there's no way that we could ever attain heaven on our own, because heaven is a gift. It is a gift that is given by the grace of God, or is his unmerited favor upon us. And the blood of Jesus Christ is what justifies us and makes us right in the eyes of God. You think about Luke chapter 17 and verse 10. And the scriptures tell us here this morning, So likewise, you, when you have done all these things, he's talking about obedience here. He says, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, then I want you to say, we are unprofitable servants. Why? Because you're simply just doing what was your duty to do. Your master, your creator, had told you what to do, and you did what you were supposed to do. That doesn't earn you heaven. And so we know that we are only saved by the blood of Christ. I think about Isaiah 64 and 6, where the scriptures tell us that we are all like an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness is like a filthy rag. Brethren, I point out this passage of scripture here this morning because there is not one of us that deserves to be saved. It is solely by the grace of God that we can attain that gift, that we can receive that gift of God. And so now let's spend some time looking at doing what God's will is. And it's so very important because there's so many individuals who live their lives and yet don't do the will of God. You look at this next passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 through 23. 
I've often said it's one of my more favorite passages of Scripture because it's talking about Christians. There are too many people in various denominations as well as the Lord's Church who think they're saved just because they believe. They think they're saved. Or they do a couple good works. Maybe they, you know, hey, I had, a, I had a moment there in my life where I really lived for God. And, you know, he should be happy with me. Because I did some good things on his behalf. And, and in his name. And yet, what does Jesus say? In Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonderful works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Well, what are the scriptures telling us? If you believe and call Jesus Lord, Lord, you are still lost if you don't do what? One word. Obedience. We need to do all that the law contains. We need to adhere to all that, all that the law contains. And we need to make sure that, that our faith isn't just giving lip service to God. If we ever hope to attain heaven, brothers and sisters, we must live according to the full and complete will of God. Everything that that contains. That is the only way. It is not the will of men, the will of God. Not, the will, not our own will, our own fleshly desires, but the will of God. Jesus has just told these Christians, I don't even know who you are. I would hope that each of us should strive to then think about that and then wonder, are we doing all we can? Are there certain areas of our lives that we are just refu refuse to give over to our faith? That we refuse to change and mold and become like Christ and allow the word of God to mold our lives? Because if there's areas of our lives that are still, that are contrary, that, that, are, that we're living contrary to the word of God, then brethren, Jesus is going to say, I don't even know who you are. Does that make sense? Should that scare us? That Jesus is going to tell Christians, I don't even know who you are. Why? Because they live in sin. They practice sin. Remember, Hebrews 10 and 26. It's talking about those who practice sin. Not those who have moment, moments of weakness. I know this because 1 John talks about it. 1 John tells us that, that if you say you're not a sinner, you're a liar and the truth isn't in you. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light. Walk according to the will of God as Jesus walked according to the will of God. Jesus said, I did everything that the Lord has commanded me. That the Father has commanded me. I wonder how much less is going to be expected of us. Is God going to expect anything less of us than he did of his own son when it comes to obedience? If Jesus sinned just one time, would he have died for our sins or his own? He would have died for his own sins. So you see, brethren, as we look at this information here this morning, in the judgment, there will be no appeal to God's decision. There will be no second chance. There will be no time to go back and let me try to make this, right, uh, this wrong right. There's going to be no appeal process. God is going to make the final judgment. And these people in the, uh, in, in the scriptures, in Matthew chapter 7, they seem like they were probably sincere. Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we uh, do wonderful uh, works in your name? They seemed sincere, but they were sincerely wrong. Why? Because they continued to live in sin and not mold their lives to the word of God. This is not old time. This is not old fashioned thought process. This is literally what the word of God says. 
And it's, it's, it's every bit as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. What sins are being committed today that, aren't, that weren't committed 2,000 years ago? Do you know why Leviticus 18 uh, talked about homosexuality and bestiality and, uh, and incest and all these different things? Thousands and thousands of years ago? Because they were committing the same sexual sins that we commit today. We just have more technology. Brothers and sisters, the word of God is every bit as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. And apparently, they were good people. And apparently, they did many wonderful works. But God still said, I don't even know who you are. Because God expects, not lip service, but obedience to his word. Mankind generally wants to do things their own way. Don't we have a lot of slogans and commercials that talk about that? Isn't Burger King one? Have it your own way? Right? I mean, there's lots of different slogans that we could come up with. Mankind usually wants to do what they want to do, and they want to do how they like to do it. How does that work out in religion, though? What if your way doesn't match up with God's way? What's going to happen? You're going to hear the words, I don't even know who you are. Brethren, we learn from the scriptures. We learn that we are to transform our hearts and minds with the word of God. So ask yourself this morning, do you know what the will of God is? Have you read it for yourself? How can you live according to the will of God if you don't know what the will of God is? And if it's in the Bible and you haven't read the Bible, you haven't read the New Testament, how can you then be pleasing in the sight of God? Oh, sure, you could do still some good works. You can still believe. But if you don't know what God expects of you, how then can you be found pleasing? You can't. And it's not going to be by dumb luck that you might stumble into heaven. You have to be purposeful in your beliefs and in your obedience and doing all that God has asked you to do. So I asked the question then this morning, what then is God's will? Are there any non-essential commands in the New Testament? Is there any non-essential commands in the New Testament? Does God have to say it at least three times in order for it to be biblically correct or doctrinally, doctrinally true? Or if he just says it one time, does he mean what he says? So if there's no non-essential commands, then why is it that we set aside certain parts of his command? Certain parts of his will and his teachings? Because we want it our own way. Man wants what man wants, and he strives to get what he wants. There's a reason why the Bible talks about contentment as well, but that's another Bible study for another day. Brethren, what is the will of God? In John 8 and 24, it says, For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. You know, when we talk about biblical faith, you guys have heard me say multiple times that faith is, is really uh, uh, threefold. It's belief. You've got to first believe, right? But then you've got to trust in the promises of God. But then you've got to be obedient. What if you have belief and trust, but you're not obedient? Is your obedience going to trump? Uh, is, your, uh, is your belief and trust going to trump your non-obedience? You see, brethren, we have to actually uh, live our lives in obedience. There are people who are living, and they think they're obedient, but they haven't been baptized. But they think they're Christians, but yet they're still not even baptized. So they're not Christians because, A, you have to be uh, baptized in order to be a Christian, in order to get into the church, get into the kingdom. And yet there are those who feel that they're Christians. They'll tell people they're Christians, and yet they're not Christians. And so I wonder, where does that thought process come from? 
And so, brothers and sisters, we look at this, uh, this information here this morning. In order to do the will of God, we must believe, first and foremost, in God. We must believe that Jesus is who he says he's, who he is. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Because how do you then have your sins washed away? In the blood of Jesus Christ. Where do you contact that blood? In the waters of baptism. As we go down and we bury the old man of sin and we raise up the new creation. Brothers and sisters, if we do not believe wholeheartedly in God and in Christ Jesus, we will certainly not do the things he tells us to do. Because if you don't believe that Jesus is God, then what is, what is, why, what's the advantage or the purpose of then doing what he says? Wouldn't it then just be a waste of time? If God is to be believed at all, then he must be fully believed. Notice this next passage in Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. What did I say faith was? Belief, trust, obedience. Belief, trust, obedience. But without faith, belief, trust, and obedience, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, we must diligently seek to know all that God wants us to do and be glad with it. Doesn't the Bible say that, uh, that we are to do all that God commands and, we, and, we, and he prays that God's commands are not burdensome in our lives? What happens if you think of the commands of God as burdensome? Ask yourself, do you believe in God and Christ with all your heart? Remember a few weeks ago when I was talking about passion, I was preaching on passion? We are to believe and to teach and to express our faith with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul. That's the love that we are to have for God. Do you believe in God to the point that you have all the confidence in the world in him? Or are there certain things that you still doubt? Because if there's doubts in your mind, you're not going to fully live out your faith in Christ Jesus. Are you willing to do anything and everything that God asks of you? And if you're not, are you going to hear the, the words, depart from me, for I don't even know who you are. You're not even willing to do what I ask you to do. Isn't that what Jesus tells us? Isn't it what, I think it's uh, John, I think it's Luke 6 and 14, I believe. And somebody can correct me on afterwards if I got that wrong. But where Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? You don't even do what I ask you to do. Brethren, we look at the scriptures. Notice John 12, 42 and 43. John 12, 42 and 43 says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Jesus, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than they loved the praise of God. Brothers and sisters, many people believe that redemptive faith is merely uh, a willingness to trust in Christ as their personal Savior, which is independent from any type of personal obedience. Trust cannot be independent from obedience. This notion is completely foreign to biblical texts. I don't care if it's the Old Testament or if it's the New Testament. A belief that will not accept and do all that God tells them to do will not be found pleasing in the sight of God. Because if all you do is believe, but you're not obedient, then you're no different than the people that James talks about. Oh, who, are, who is James talking about here? You believe that there's a God? Fine, you do great, because even the demons believe. And shudder. Brothers and sisters, our belief is a work of God. And God requires us to believe. How do I know a belief is a work? Because it tells us in John 6 and 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sends. 
his, his son and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Brethren, I know I'm out of time, and I have a lot more information I want to get to, so I'm not going to rush it. We're going to continue this on. We're going to start to, uh, start to break, this, break down the, the, the fundamentals of our faith starting next week. We're going to start to look at questions about, uh, about Jesus, and is Jesus who he says he is? Uh, all that we can learn about Christ, we're going to start to break down the, the fundamentals of our Christian faith. Because at the end of the day, the whole point of us as being disciples of God is to go out and take the message into the world. To teach them to obey everything that I had commanded you. And we can't do that if we don't have a firm grasp of the, of, of the basic fundamentals of our faith. So we're going to start to look at all the basic fundamentals, and we're going to start to, uh, to, to preach through those. And so hopefully you guys will bring pen and paper next week. And I might even see about having some things that we can print off that you can take with you. And so that way you can take it back home that will have the scripture passages. And we're not going to make it so scripture heavy. We're going to break it down. We're going to slow down. And we're going to start to then uh, equip each and every one of us to have the type of faith and the type of trust and the type of belief that they can feel comfortable and confident in taking the word of Christ out to our friends and family and neighbors. Amen? And so, if you're here today, and you need the prayers of the church, you can come forward at this time, and we'll pray for you. If you're here today, and you wish to be baptized, because you know you're not a child of God, belief isn't good enough. You actually have to be obedient to the word of God. What did, uh, you know, we think about uh, the Philip, right, in the Ethiopian eunuch. He says, there's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Nothing. If you believe with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. And he did what? went down into the water and was baptized. You too can do that today. If you're here today, but maybe you've been away from the church for a while and you wish to be restored, you could come forward and we could take care of that as well. So come forward as we stand.